As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of Android's Dungeon. Special guest in studio, live, more or less, from Toronto International Film Festival, Peter Zabo, in the house having a chat about movies, what the festival's like, and what he's up to and what he likes as far as movies go. Stay tuned, folks. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. Happy post-legalization day, folks, for anyone who cares about that. Who does? Pfft, no one does. No one cares. It's old news. Nothing special about that. Uh, I am Jack. I'm Joel. Joel's not here. I'm Kayla. Kayla's not here. I'm Patrick. Pat. No one's here. It's just me. Because today we have a special show for you. We have an interview with... Uh, local Guelph filmmaker, and um, I'm going to say friend of the show officially now, Peter Zabo, which will be coming up imminently. Um, Before we jump into that, though, just do a quick little blurb. Android's Dungeon is a show about movies, music, and games mostly. And by games, I mean board games and sometimes video games, too, depending on what's been popularized at the time or what's uh, shaken. Uh, So... We're not going to dwell too long on this part here. We're just going to go right into the interview, I think. But we're going to play a bit of music first just to, uh, you know, lighten the mood. And then we're going to get right into the chat with Peter. So stay tuned, folks.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM, Android's Dungeon. What you just heard was Cosmic Memories. Well, it's called uh, Trappist 1 from Cosmic Memories, the newest album by Hubrid. Hubrid. Space synth, bit of dark wave, dark synth. Pretty cool stuff. I'm quite fond of the guy all of a sudden. And I've never heard him before. It's a great album. I really recommend checking out. It's outstanding. Um, so we're going to jump right into the interview with Peter Zabo. Enjoy. I'm joined now in studio with a confirmed friend of the show. Now, imagine you were you thought you were a friend of the show. You just didn't know it yet. Peter Zabo. Uh, welcome to Android's Dungeon, Peter. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. Peter is an independent filmmaker, fan of films, and uh, I'd say friend of the family as well, of, uh, of my my clan, I, I guess. Sure. We can go through that. That's how I know you, at least. Yeah. Um, Peter, you are the only person I know who's been to TIFF recently, Toronto International Film Festival. Tell us about TIFF. Tell our listener what you think about the state of the festival right now. It's a big question. Um so I have been going for 25 years to, to TIFF. I did miss one year. I don't tell everybody this. I missed the year <laughs> my son <Exclusive>. was born. <laughs> because it was he was born in August, TIFF's early September. And it was like, I was kind of told. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm surprised you didn't smuggle him in and just <laughs> catch some midnight madness with screening we, child. Right, yeah. So um, I did miss that year. Um, Anyways, um, so I have seen it evolve quite a bit. Um, this year, the last few years, every time I go, I'm thinking, eh, or at the end of it, I'm like, will I go again next year? Yeah. Because some of the, the gripes and grumbles accumulate over the years. Mm -hmm. and, um, and this year, I went in with the gripes and grumbles, and then halfway through, I just thought, I'm going to stop deciding whether I'm going to go or not, because ultimately I still end up seeing amazing movies. So you're talking about you already had problems before you stepped foot into the festival. What what were the issues? Well, um, I've been thinking about what the transition point was, and it, I'm pretty sure it was when they bought the, or created the TIFF Bell Lightbox. Hmm. They created this institution now, uh, a building that had overhead, they had cinemas, they had a gift shop that originally they had gallery space. They still have some gallery space, you know, administrative offices, all kinds of overhead. And um, that's when they started to really build this whole membership thing. The idea of pay money, you know, it's charitable donation and all that, and you'll get benefits towards primarily the festival itself. It, I mean, they did add things on like discounts for actual screenings and things like that at, at the Tiff Bell Lightbox. But for me, I was most interested in how will it enhance my ability to get tickets, get the tickets I want, see the movies I want um, as a member. So uh, they, but the, they started to create this whole tiered membership thing where you, you start at, I started at the single membership level of $100, and it goes up, I don't even know, it's into the thousands, I think. Yeah, there's got to be some giant corporate level for a donation right. to the festival, right? Yeah, and, and with <clears throat> each level, you get more and more benefits. But as a member, I still, I thought, well, I'm still a member, I'm not the public. And I found that there were very few benefits to me at that level. So 
over the years, it became more and more that unless you were of a higher membership level, they started to shut out a lot of the, um, the, the premium sort of benefits. So, Do you have an example? Great example this year. So it's a very complicated system for getting tickets. <laughs> Which is um, already a problem. As soon as you say, like, what's, what's it supposed to be? Wasn't it started as a, this sort of this, this uh, you've got the Festival of Festival shirts on from right. 1993. My parents told me that TIFF for them was, it was always sort of this, I don't want to say democratic, but it was like, it, it's, a, it's a festival for anyone who wants to go exactly. see a movie. Like, yep. if you want to see this thing, maybe some are more important or bigger than others but everyone has a chance to see everybody these. it was it was you know lowest common denominator it was for the people <laughs> right it was the people's <laughs> yeah, festival yeah. um which is also one of the reasons why it gained a lot of um reputation for filmmakers distributors producers sales agents because they got to see a real live action yeah so it was reaction. almost like uh, you had you saw your test audience right there exactly interesting yes, yeah um so where were we? Memberships. Oh, yeah. So this year, so the idea is that if you if you get your tickets in advance or your passes, as they call them, um, then the idea was you would have a window of time to select your movies before they go on sale to the public. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> that was the case even when I just bought a v- through my Visa card. I, I would get a window before they went on sale to the public. Now, was that something exclusive to Visa as well? Originally, yeah. yes. Um, and then it became membership thing. Mm. So, I mean, there's still a Visa component too where you can get them, yeah. at least buy them a little earlier. But the whole membership component was then what happens is you have a window of time before they go on sale to the public. Well, they started to move the window earlier if you paid more. <laughs> so... For example, if they went on sale to the public on a Monday, yeah. uh, this like 10 days before on the Sunday or whatever, the first level of members would have access to pick their movies. Then Monday or Tuesday, the next level, da, 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 and it would go down. Yeah. There. So this year, m- and then they, you get like a random, a one-hour window <laughs> assigned to you. Now, could this window theoretically be at like 2 in the morning or something? Yes. Unbelievable. It could be at any hour of the day because it's <laughs> online now. <laughs> Which is one of the things they've done right. They did they did move to online versus always standing in line. Yeah, and of course, being physical. But it's like with the with the good of the online, like right. this, you can do it anywhere, and it's like, oh, it's online, so you can do it any time too, because right. you're, you're untethered. I guess. Right. So this year, my window was at twelve noon the day before they went on sale <laughs> to the to the public, right? And it already been on sale yeah. to all kinds of other members for five or six days. So uh, it was only one movie that I didn't get as my first choice. Mm-hmm. And that's not completely unusual. But, mm-hmm. um, but it just was just like that benefit of having less than 12 hours before anybody on the planet could could choose their movies. And, and when you choose these movies to, to go to, do you see, like, are you picking seats as well? Or are you just picking a ticket and it's, you, you show up and you get your, you, you sit down like if you went to the Cineplex? Until this year, <laughs> yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you don't get a reserved seat. Well, you get a reserved seat in some cinemas as of this year, mm-hmm. but you don't get to choose them. Oh. And I discovered this by accident. <laughs> oh, which no. was grumble. The first, really, <laughs> I was actually very upset, and I went to the box office. Oh, and really? Got, I knew it wasn't their specific fault. I no. know now that the volunteers 
you know, it's never their fault, but I had to vent to somebody. Yeah, yeah. But as of this year, they now um, picked a handful of cinemas, you know, the bigger ones. I understand Roy Thompson Hall for the gala. Sure, yeah, yeah. assigned seating. Got it. You're, you're paying whatever, 80 bucks, 100 bucks a ticket. Oof, my heart. <laughs> I know. To go see A Star is Born. Oh. That you can go see for 12 <laughs> bucks or whatever two weeks later. Star watching, more like, right? Yeah. Um, so this year they started this thing, and I didn't figure it out till I went to see my first movie at the Winter Garden Theater, and they said, oh, you've got a reserved seat. You don't need to be here to stand in line to get a general admission seat, because I always get there at least an hour in advance. Wow. So I can pick... A, you want the best of the a, best. A, 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 where I like to sit. Yeah, yeah. Right, to get my my ideal experience. All right, quick, quick interruption. What is Peter Zabo's sweet spot in the theater? Depends on the theater, of course, but typically about... 10 rows back center. Okay. So not at the back, definitely not at the front, but enough so that the, the, the screen sort of fills my peripheral vision yep. and, and nothing else. Okay. Right. Anything closer than that where I have to sort of crane my neck to right, look right, from right. left to right. That's too So close. no startling revelations, no secret spot that you always, like top right corner. No. It's the best spot in the theater. No. Okay. Good. Unfortunately, at TIFF, that's usually where they put the reserved seats. In the top right corner? No, 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 at the 10th row. Oh. <laughs> and they'll take up two whole rows often, of which they don't always fill, right? I was going to say, what? how many times have you sat down and seen a movie where they had all these primo seats just empty? Oh, well, actually, even worse. Oh, no. <laughs> They're empty until the rush line gets let in. So there's this, this whole thing, if you, if you didn't get a ticket, yeah. but you have a pass... Yeah. Um, you can stand in line in what's called the rush line, which means 15 minutes before the show, they take a look and see how many empty seats are there. And that's how many people And that's in. how many people get in, right? So, so it's so, like flying standby. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But you could get a premium seat then mm -hmm. because only 10 producers showed up that day instead of 15, and right. so all of a sudden there's five extra seats. Um, or as in this year where they had this assigned seating that was they chose where I sat, and um, in two screen, I ended up three screenings, and two of them I was way up in the balcony. One of them I could touch the ceiling. <laughs> I was so far <laughs> back in the, at the um, beautiful Winter Garden Theater, I could touch the leaves. There's like leaves hanging off the ceiling. I've never been in there, so oh, I don't even know what it looks it's, like. It's pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> that close to the ceiling, though. Oh, yeah, man. And um, what are the what's the audio the like? The thing up is, there again, too? these rush so. The a rush lineup person could get a would probably get a better seat than me. But you know, on the other hand, it's kind of like just like flying standby. You're rolling the dice. Like how long do you wait in line? Right. There's no chance. And like if you want to be there super early, so you're actually like so you're sure. first person in the rush line, and yep. then every producer shows up, and you yep. say, well, that was a waste of um, absolutely. It's it's a it's a it's a total wild card, and mm -hmm. I've never done it yeah. because I wouldn't want to take that risk or stand that much in advance. <laughs> yeah, right? an hour is long enough, yeah, and yeah. I'm okay to stand an hour. For Midnight Madness, usually an hour and a half. You can kill an hour, no problem. That's all right. Yeah, exactly. So then I get, and, and then even then I may not get the perfect seat, but I'll get a good seat, yeah, a yeah. good enough seat. Nothing where right? your, your neck's broken by the end or exactly. whatever. Exactly, yeah. So so that, that was something they implemented this year, and they did not communicate it clearly, mm -hmm. um, this whole reserved seating thing uh, that is randomly, I don't know if it's random or, <clears throat> uh, actually I heard if you had, again, a higher membership um, value, you would get a better. Magically, the odds are better that you get yes. that stuff. Yeah. So, 
I guess when I when you're describing this, what I'm thinking of is it feels like this sort of arms race of sorts. That um, that the first thing that came to mind is when people talk about these theme parks, where it used to be just you line up for the roller coaster and that's that. Mm-hmm. Then they introduce the uh, the the special pass holders who are always going to the front of the line, mm-hmm. and it just results in how many other people just so now there's a lineup in the special lineup for this stuff on top of the old lineup, and how long before there's another lineup with the super super pass uh, right. people? And do you get this feeling where it's just this? I don't want to say um, commoditization, but the, the this kind of cynical kind of we're just going to keep adding more and more layers so people can get more and more benefits. Where and we're we know that we're going to upset a bunch of the people who have been doing this for a long time and who don't want to shell out five grand a year for a membership, mm-hmm. but they just don't care because it's it's become such a uh, there's just so much money in it and they can get it, sell enough of these things that they don't care because they can can sell it. Right. Um. Yes, I, I guess that's the, the short answer, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. not just even me. I, yeah. I, I've, I talked. One of the great things about the festival, it's diminished over the years since since um, smartphones have come into existence. How but, so? But chatting with people in lineups and oh, in, the, in the cinemas, like, was always amazing. Oh, even standing in the lineups, everybody's, "What did you see? What did you see?" Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. This. Oh, you got it, and and then because cinema lovers, fascinating chatting with each other. There yeah. was a social experience. It wasn't going to the cineplex and standing in line maybe with your, your friend or your wife yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But everybody got involved, you know, that was within earshot. Um, Never would have occurred to me that, that yeah. there was a sense of community with the people that were seeing all these flicks. Which, fortunately, it, it's still there, but it, it not... I have been at screenings where, you know, the people in front of me or behind me are, are too preoccupied. Well, that's what I was going to say is that now, like, it, even I catch myself doing it at times, too. It's like when you're walking, it, it's like, oh, I could just walk and enjoy the, what I'm looking at, but phone out, look at yeah. what's on my phone, and uh, just you need to be stimulated the whole time. And waiting right. in line is the most boring thing in the world. Okay. Why talk with, I don't know who this guy is, wearing his 1993 T-shirt, <laughs> weirdo. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to look at Twitter instead. Right. So, so, but I did talk to some people about this, and and I wouldn't even initiate. But the, uh, inevitably, the issue of membership and and the grab for money would come up. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the people I talked to were uh, upset about it. There was one guy who's been going for longer than I have, wow. and said, "This is my last year." Wow, I'm just fed up with it. There was another woman who's been going for thirty five years. She's got a six hundred dollar membership. She's happy. Yeah. She's getting what she wants. Well, she paid she the cash can, for it. Yeah, exactly. Or a so, comfortable level of cash for it. Right. So, um, but it is creating, um, I kind of call it an elitist uh, sort of uh, class system mm-hmm. almost, where you pay more, you get more privilege, and it so that it no longer becomes as much the people's festival. Mm-hmm. Right? It can't, it's not that any, it's a, it's, it's fair game. Anybody could see any movie. Um because even in the old days, anybody could even go see the gala premieres, mm-hmm. right? If you paid the money and stood in line, you get the in. ticket. Yeah, yeah. So where do you see things going? Do you think it's just going to continue down this path, and you're just going to see kind of like what I've described before, just more and mm-hmm. more different, higher tiers, and and eventually just like there's no such thing as like maybe a couple of weird movies that nobody is, is on nobody's radar. Right. You're like, okay, you can have a ticket to that versus anything that's of remote interest is going to be immediately every ticket's blocked off for mm-hmm. every business that decides to throw ten grand at the festival. I, I don't see that right now, um, unless. For some reason, they ju- they just were not finding ways to make money, mm-hmm. and they have. I don't. I haven't heard this year's yet. I know that year over year, their attendance is down. Oh, really? Right, and revenue is down. I mm-hmm. know the Tiff Bell Lightbox as a cinema 
attendance was down 20% over the last year. Interesting. So, and they stopped doing their gallery. They used to do these amazing exhibitions of uh, film stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I saw the Cronenberg one in there yeah. and uh, the Tim Burton one. Kubrick and Tim Burton and yeah. Grace Kelly and James Bond. And they were beautifully Incredible. curated, amazing yeah. stuff. Just the rich detail. They just stopped them. And now they use them for like member lounges and oh. <laughs> stuff like that. So uh, I, I think they were just getting too expensive to curate. And yeah. that space was, you know, they, 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 were, they were, I guess they did charge for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a benefit to members. Some of them got in for free. Mm-hmm. I know I saw a few of those for free because when I was a member. But um, anyways, will it get any worse in terms of the amount of money? Not necessarily. Um, but other things are changing to attract an audience, and that's the a higher percentage of uh, Hollywood movies. Mm. That is a shift that I, that is unsettling me as well. Um, I mean, they're still at over 250 movies, although they keep dropping. They used to be over 300. Um, but as the the ratio of Hollywood movies and blockbusters that are going to be out in the Cineplex is higher, and the attention gets put on them. I mean, even when I listen to tiff's own podcast you know they're talking to people and saying what did you see this year that was amazing and they'll go through you know last man and stars born and witness and they're, they're naming and there's like what about the the amazing gems that i saw like nobody's yeah. talking about free free solo or even um the latest uh, asgar ferrati one um everybody knows which blew me away mm-hmm. uh, or you know wonderful little canadian films the fireflies are gone which actually got the best Canadian People's Choice mm-hmm. Award, um, but they're not talking about the the gems, right? So the attention is on the stars, the galas, the Hollywood stuff, yeah. and <clears throat> again, something that it's, it's helpful to t- talk to all these people in the lineups because somebody real pointed out that started to really shift when Cameron Bailey became the co CEO and and the head of programming. And interestingly now, Pierce Handling's on his way out, or he's left. This was his last year. And he was one of the founders. Mm. Um, and I've read a lot about him. I've met him. I've seen him. I've gone to, and I went, I went to go see um, um, Fassbender film. And um, he was there, yeah. Pierce Handling. I was just, just getting popcorn in the line. So I chatted with him. I just said, hey, thanks for creating this. And he yeah. what are you doing? He says, this is why I created this. To see to, movies. To <laughs> so I could see the movies I wanted to see. So like he says, I've been great. to every one of the screenings of the Fassbender films. Wow. <laughs> and so I know he, he loves it. And I know that he, his vision for TIFF was as a curated, um, uh, like the, the British Film Institute, an institute that is designed to preserve cinema and hmm. film and as an art form. Um, and Cameron Bailey seems to be angling more towards the commercial side of it and making the festival a commercial um, event and an event for publicity versus appreciating the art of cinema. It's interesting. I grew up with Cameron Bailey in some aspect of my life because for a long time, or at least I find when I was growing up, he would co-host a showcase, um, sort of, he'd, he'd, 
introduce these movies showcase would show on uh, and they do these themed movies back when they would show stuff of of note like you'd get all these weird foreign films and they do like david lynch uh athons and tarantino things and he'd be introducing his, ironically with tarantino because he was running his mouth about tarantino recently <laughs> but um i always envisioned bailey as being one of these guys who was like 100 percent on the, the weirder smaller stuff and it's it, i don't know whether it's just do you think it's him who's steering it this way, or do you think it's the the? And I, I'm not trying to sound paranoid or anything, but mm. like corporate overlords kind of pushing it. In this like, look at all the the eyeballs on Lady Gaga. We need to get more of this stuff. Right. Yeah, it's a combination. I do think that the the board, whatever the board for TIFF, and and like they're like we need to get more attention. I, they've had a lot of competition now over the years on who's going to get the world premiere. Right, Venice yeah. takes it or or can and right. There's all kinds of crazy competition about that stuff too so and they seem to know that if we get the premiere of something that's popular and we can get the stars to come in it generates revenue it generates right. attention it it's great for the city and yeah, it's, yeah, it's great yeah. for all the, the sponsors and the, the promoters the and buzz, all that. Yeah. yeah so um i don't know his past enough to know whether he has compromised his own values mm-hmm. of what he appreciates in cinema or whether it played to his interesting yeah. his interests already um, versus somebody like Pierce Handling, who I know, like, I don't know. I've never seen Cameron. I, I saw Pierce even during this festival this year. All, I just would, I would see him walk down the street. I'd see him in the <laughs> cinema. He was there, but yeah, yeah. I never see Cameron unless he comes out to introduce a film. Right. So we've kind of danced around it. Let's focus on what you actually saw Okay. At at TIFF, sure. Um, give us your highlights. You already went over your uh, a couple of the names, so let's jump back into them in a bit more detail. Okay. Uh, what was the best thing you saw? Um, it would probably be Everybody Knows the the Asghar Ferrati film with um, Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. And what's the premise of this one? Uh, it's in Spanish subtitles and such, and it's in Spain, a small town. A family gets together for a wedding. They're reuniting from different parts of the world and um penelope cruz is there with her family her husband had to stay behind and she and javier bardem had a relationship when they were in their 20s or mm-hmm. whatever so it's it's ancient history but you know there's still a little bit of that yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh i won't get into it, but a tragedy occurs during the wedding mm-hmm. and um it involves one of her children penelope's mm-hmm. children and she turns to Javier to help mm-hmm. because she's the only one he can really trust. Mm-hmm. She can really trust. And um, so all these, um, the first uh, while it reminded me of the deer hunter. Oh, really? Because it was just like all <laughs> celebration. Yeah, right? interesting. And there's no in- indication at all that anything dark or, or nasty is going to happen. Yeah. And I, I was like, I, f- I was like, I want to be a part of this family. I was just, and I'm not, I'm not a big family guy, but yeah, it's just, yeah. they just looked so loving and, and open and inviting and everybody was so happy. <clears throat> and then as this, this tragedy strikes, all this, all the, the happiness starts to fall away and all the, the little backstabbing and the judgments and the, all the, mm, the, these, these horrible things start coming out. And it's like, by the end, it was like uh, the last thing I want to be as part of that family because I couldn't trust any one of them. Oh, fascinating. Um, so they just slowly tear it all apart. So it, would you classify it as a, uh, a drama? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's a drama. Yeah. And what's the running time like? Uh, it was about two hours. Okay. Reasonable. Yeah. A little over. Yeah. So was it, was the performances in the writing that grabbed you? Was it, or was the direction top notch? Uh, what, uh, what was it that you thought was exceptional? 
Uh, definitely the, the performances. Uh, like, I don't know what you think of Javier. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. And, and But I couldn't take my eyes off of him. Yeah. Um, and because he had a very powerful, quiet performance. He did, you know, he spoke a lot with his eyes and just his the mood and the way he got drawn into things. Um, and Penelope was great. I mean, she's wonderful, mm-hmm. especially in the Al- Almodovar films and stuff. I mean, she's fine. Even Vanilla Sky I liked. A lot of people <laughs> love Vanilla Sky. Like, it, it, it's odd. I've never seen it. And right. some people swear by the novel, too. And it's just like, this is one of right. their favorite movies. Yeah. I don't know what to say. So, yeah, they were very, you know, comfortable in their roles and, yeah. and easy actors. But the direction, that that level of, of the heightened happiness and and uh the sense of bonding in the family and the way he like for the last hour of the movie the tension built steadily and never let up and so i was i was like a bundle of nerves (laughs) and i'll always commend a director who can build that and and just keep pulling you know the rug out just when i think Okay, maybe we're we you know we've hit a plateau here. Oh my God, that's another reveal that's, more. that's just going to create more devastating side effects on all the characters. All so. right, so when when will we be able to watch this? I don't know. <laughs> oh no, I, I'm, I'm, I mean <laughs> he's won a couple of Oscars for best foreign picture. So okay, I'm, I'm so he's not a nobody. An art house release. Yeah. Um, so, but. Art house releases have their own schedule. I, I, I haven't looked on IMDb to see. Maybe we're lucky, a Blu-ray will f- show up, uh, or a DVD, or soon. the bookshelf, or, or the bookshelf, know, or something. That, that's most likely. Yeah. So yeah. everybody knows. So um, that's number one for you. Free solo. Free solo documentary about um, how they made the new Han Solo film. Exactly. And trying and to get it off just, the ground and how they had to do reshoots <laughs> and <laughs> change directors midstream. And it's full create, tilt boogie for this generation. It's kind of like the uh, uh, Lost in La Mancha for this generation. Oh. <laughs> Is that how the, to uh, make Terry a Gilliam one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Man, oh man. <laughs> I actually didn't like. I hate Han Solo. I thought it was okay. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I just. It's not as bad as everyone says. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, it's funny. I I, I boycotted um, Rogue One initially too. I wish I'd boycotted Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched it on Netflix and I went, no, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Uh, <laughs> so I just, maybe... <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I'm masochist, I guess, that stuff. But anyway, um, Free Soul. Free Soul is a documentary about a free climber. So these are guys who climb mountains. Terrifying. Any ropes or pin or uh, pitons and all yeah, that yeah. stuff, right? So this <clears> is <throat> one guy's mission to climb El Capitan, which is a sheer rock face in <sighs> uh, Yosemite Park. And nobody has ever done it as a free solo, right? So, yeah, it was it was a real nail <laughs> biter. <laughs> it's really, really. It was shot. You know, it was National Geographic produced. So oh, beautiful! Cinematography Incredible. was spectacular. The filmmaker, like, but the whole process leading up to it, even the filmmakers in the film are like, I don't want to film a guy die. Yeah. What? How? How do we do this? Yeah. And we don't want to be position ourselves in such a way that we're going to distract him right while he's climbing oh my god like, just i'm getting the, nervous just thinking the, about the this. logistics of it yeah we're just like and then you know leading up to and the, the, the idea with these guys is they usually don't tell anybody when they're going to climb they just do it one morning and then the people find out after the fact yeah i climbed it this morning now is that too wanna, oh sorry please yeah they don't want to either have the other people worry about them mm-hmm. and I'll be nervous. Oh my God, this is the day he might die yep. and, or have that distraction of, of having people being conscious. Well, is this that. legal too? Like if somebody found out somebody was going to do this with the, the park rangers or the cops show up and say, look, buddy, we're not going to let you mm-hmm. climb up this rock. And uh, 
As far as I know, uh, they never mentioned anything about legality. Interesting. Um, because people climb it all the time. <laughs> so, I'd, but I don't know if, and, and even with ropes and crap, it, it's still it looks terrifying. Be yeah, death. You you still could die, yeah. right? So, I don't know if you have to get a license or something. They they never really addressed that. But <laughs> it's quite um, the license. Anyways, it was gripping. Okay. It was really. Oh, was that really a pun? <laughs> anyway. It wasn't intentional, but <laughs> it worked. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was really, really well done. Um, even though I knew the outcome, um, it <clears> was <throat> yeah, it was it was spectacular. Free solo. When will be when will we be able to watch this one? I don't know. It may be um, only a, like a television, like um, Discovery Channel or one of the cable channels. Okay. Um, I haven't done my homework to figure out when or how these will get picked up. Usually, I don't see things that I know whether I'll ever see them or anybody can see them. Hmm. Um, so it's always a pleasant surprise when I can say, hey, I saw that at TIFF. You guys, you can check that out. Yeah, yeah, do it. See it. Yeah. Uh, Revenge, I don't know if you saw that. That was I saw that at Midnight Madness last year as a French director, um, French female. Hmm. Really well done. Um, thriller, really violent thriller. Um, Soul. Revenge thriller. Um, nice. But uh, with, a, with the female protagonist yeah. who turns it on the men and interesting uh, it's really is it well uh, quebec or no quebec? uh france <laughs> france right yeah, yeah it's not the same guy I did uh something like irreversible or uh, is oh it? gaspar no 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 it's um <laughs> i forgot uh, no did that coralie farragut is right. her, her name okay yeah it's her first feature as far as i know so revenge so that was from last year though right yeah, yeah, yeah. okay that can is out on i know it's on itunes all right sure. good so <laughs> we, you can see this uh, that one i can That's recommend one, right. revenge yes well didn't you see beautifully i want to get up too off track yeah. here but didn't you see a wind river uh at a festival or something before it came out or was it uh, hell or high water uh no no it's, it's i just i saw that early but I didn't early see no it wasn't at a festival, festival. Oh, okay um yeah, what have I seen? Well, let's see if there's anything else from this year. Mm-hmm. Actually, there was one, there's this weird trend that TIFF has. And in some ways, I kind of celebrate it, that they don't care um, w- if it's film. They don't care about the medium. So, for example, they will play Netflix films mm. um, versus Cannes refuses to. It has to have a cinematic or a theatrical release to, to play in Cannes. So when you say they'll, they'll play a Netflix film, as in a movie that... I don't understand. It was it premiered on Netflix, and they no that will premiere at TIFF, but be on Netflix within a few weeks. And Cannes won't let that. Correct. Cannes will not allow. So you have to go a straight film from Cannes produced too. by Netflix uh, to play at Cannes. Oh, produced by Netflix. Period. R- right. Yes. Exactly. Now, now that's fascinating to me. Now is that is that more? If Netflix said, "Look, it won't go to Netflix first; it'll go to theaters first, Would they care or? It, they might if they could guarantee it will have a theatrical release before it goes. I don't even maybe day and date they'd even allow, but uh, it, it has to have a theatrical release. So if the intention is it is only for video on demand mm-hmm. or like streaming subscription, right? It cannot play. It can. I think I remember hearing something about the politics of this, mm-hmm. or and how how it's it's kind of a you can see sort of both sides of it, but at the same time it strikes me as like old man yells at clouds. Like it, a yeah. movie's a movie, man. Why do you exactly. care, right? Right. Well, the other trend though is TIFF has now started playing TV shows, premiering television shows. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah. And I, another one I found out by accident. It's <laughs> like what? Well, um, two years ago, I saw uh, three, three, three TIFFs ago. Um, I went to see this movie, this Icelandic film. I thought it was a film called Trapped, and <laughs> okay. it was the pilot episode of a t- 
10, 10 episode series. Well, how was it? It was fantastic. Oh, okay. There it we go. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, but I was so disappointed because like, it was Icelandic and the director, that's one of the great things. The directors and, are usually there. Yeah. He was like, I, we have no distribution deal yet. I have no, and I was like, I don't know if I'll ever see how this ends. Yeah, I want to see how it ends. Because I've so. only seen the pilot. <laughs> Absolutely. Fortunately, it did get picked up by Netflix. Okay. So I have seen the whole series. And so it, you and can watch Trapped fantastic. right now. If you... Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's It really flips the whole uh, procedural detective oh, great. its head because it's small town Iceland where they just really have no skills for dealing with a serious... Is it set modern day? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they're isolated from from the the, the major police department by right. po- by snowstorms, and there's like serial murders happening happening. That's and almost a. Uh... There's only three cops, <laughs> and none of them are. Ex- one of them has experience in the big city. Yeah, of course. And he was rejected because he's too much of a you know rogue. hot shot. Yeah, exactly. Plays by his own rules. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. it's almost a genre of cop show of the the small town like I think they even made a film about it. Small town murders and murders. Oh, yeah or something like that yeah. but the the idea of like having this like i think the first one comes to mind is obviously twin peaks but the idea of this this town that's ravaged by something horrible and whether it's a serial predator or something right. like that but it, the idea of like how how is this small police force who's obviously not accustomed to this disaster how right, are they going to exactly. overcome or capture the guy yeah yeah know, trapped so this year, my 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 surprise was I went to see. It was called uh, "Sorry for Your Loss," and what it was was the first three episodes of a Facebook show. It was Facebook's first foray into <laughs> streaming television. Fascinating, um, but it had um, uh, her name just Elizabeth Olsen. Okay, right. It had like name. Um, it actually had who is the um, oh, she. She was in Rogue One. It was her first movie. Felicity. Uh... No, no, no. She had the small parts. Uh, Hong, somebody, Hong. She's the, um, she's the one Asian character on the on the big cruiser ship that that has to watch. I'm blank, and I don't even remember there being anyone Anyways, Asian. <laughs> that was her only first role, and then she went. And then she got to this she one. She was in yeah. this, but like people clearly knew who she was in right. the audience. I didn't make that connection till somebody till they started talking about it afterwards. But yeah. Anyways, um, it was amazing. It was it was about a, a young. Then um, you can watch it on Facebook now. The whole series, <laughs> so ten bizarre. episodes, so bizarre. Facebook Watch. Yeah. And Facebook was there to talk about it and. It was fascinating. The the marketing behind it yeah. made sense yeah. because it's about a, a woman grieving the loss of her husband, uh-huh. like a sudden death at, and she's only like in her whatever late twenties or early thirties, right? Um, and the, and how this impacts her sister and her mother and the the deceased husband's brother, and all the ripples on this. And it was really well done. And Facebook, you know, talked about after that the idea is. People are on Facebook. They're sharing things like when people have died. So there's a natural forum already for people. So if we create, you know, scripted content and then have ads running on the (laughs) page that are, I don't know if it would be like for crematoriums or what. Oh my God. um, But the whole, (laughs) you know, they weren't, at least they didn't just randomly pick a topic. They picked a topic that they know people are already talking about on Facebook. So there'll probably be a cat series too, but. Of course. (laughs) Or something. Maybe maybe I'll tune in for this one. (laughs) Maybe whatever people are talking about on Facebook. How long before you go to the Cineplex and they've got ads running 
uh, permanently on the sides of the screens oh, and stuff like that. I but, hope not. That would be awful. I wouldn't. I, that would be so distracting. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? I wouldn't be able to... Oh, no, they're very tasteful. Film. They're very subtle. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Yeah, yeah. Or you just get used to it. Yeah, you right? just don't Eventually care anymore. you just block it out, so, which <clears> is <throat> then kind of defeats the purpose. But So Facebook surprising us. Yes, it, so all sorry these for your loss. I was like, I thought I was seeing a movie, and, and I got to see three 30-minute episodes <laughs> and <laughs> be left hanging again. <laughs> Can you Have you watched them all now? I have not now. I just realized earlier this week that they're all, they, they were sort of releasing them yeah. two episodes a week okay. starting. So now I think they're all out, so I'm safe to... I, I prefer it more when they dribble out the episodes because yeah. I find the uh, it keeps you not feeling as it stops you from accidentally binge watching stuff. Mm. And I find that uh, what, uh, back when House of Cards was really making lots of news with Netflix, somebody read a criticism of it, and it was it was that it's an it's a good show, but it's not a great show. But people think it's a great show because they eat so much of it at once that they're full, and then right. they don't realize how it's like eating a bag of popcorn. It's right. at the end of the day, you're kind of like, oh, I feel like I ate so much, and then you're just, oh no, it's just popcorn. It wasn't that good, right? Or you don't think that oh, that episode, the fourth and fifth episodes were kind of weak, and yeah, it's because you've fluffy. already you've watched you like nine hours of them, it, right? so and all you're getting is the one that yeah, the you remember the best parts, right? Yeah, so. yeah. I don't binge, by the way. I try not to. Yeah. It's. Uh, Frankly, because I just feel so tired after it. <laughs> like, maybe if something's great, like, if maybe, like, last two episodes of a, of a series, it's like, I need to finish this. I can't. Right. I'm yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. let that, it. That is an exception. Maybe it's a self-control issue. I don't where know. it's just like, oh, I have one more episode, and it's a cliffhanger. I really want to yeah. finish that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's there. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. All right. So let's move away from Tiff. Sure. Thank you for your uh, your endorsements. Hopefully, everyone can okay. find them. Let's sure. Let's and, move and to you. keep in mind, I'm just an average festival nope. attendee. No, nope. right? Peter Zabo. Master <laughs> of Bailey's going to hunt me down now and <laughs> say, hey, you were dissing me on... <laughs> He's on. polishing his brass knuckles right now. He's, That's right. I got your my, I'm going to be banned from TIFF now. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. I'm not coming anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. What are you working on right now? Um, I'm kind of... I'm working on a documentary. Okay. So I don't... It's kind of a... a it's a gestating baby. All right. And it's like it's in his first trimester. <laughs> so I <laughs> don't not, know what it looks like yet. Or I'm, I don't want to worry I don't about know it. Trimester, if, so. if, if there was a miscarriage or something. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> where it's some, where somehow, it's happened already this year. This oh, is no. the fourth project this year. Oh, and I've had three of them okay. ab abort. <laughs> oh, no. That's <laughs> right? a shame. Um, so it's kind of how the business works yeah. when it, we're at the micro budget independent level that yeah, I'm yeah. at, where every dollar I need. And if I can't get even close to half, I can't even start yeah. the project. So, so this is a documentary about Canadian singer songwriters. Um, but the, I call it the, call them unsung heroes, the ones who are not household names, okay, but who have been working in the business for decades. Fascinating. Can you give us a taste of who uh, would, would appear in this? Um, sure. And, I mean, your listeners might be more educated than the average person you ask on the street, but um, I haven't got their permission yet. So if I say that. All right. Well, don't say anything yet. Just <laughs> don't say their names. Do some sort of weird. No, don't worry about it. It's fine. Right, right. But we, all right. So that's the premise I would of it. I, I'll put it out there, right? Yeah, and maybe okay. they'll listen and say, okay. I'm in. All right. Because I'm going to ask them formally anyways. But okay, like, good. Like Danny Michelle. Okay. If you're familiar with him. I saw him in, in Kingston once. Yeah. I've seen him four times, I think. And I've owned several of his albums. He's been around for decades. Okay, he's done a really great job. He's got an he's an incredible songwriter and performer. But 
you know, ask everybody, anybody on the street, and they'd probably never heard of him. Mm-hmm. Um, was that me? No, that was me. Don't oh, okay. don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, or um, Blair Packham he used to be with the Jitters. Sounds sort of familiar, uh, but that was yeah. beyond me. And that's that's the point, right? Is they've been doing it for decades. Um, there's one out of uh, Quebec called Ariane Shock or uh, Ariana Steph. St- oh, I'm gonna ruin it already. <laughs> Um, <laughs> They're already crossing out. The, I'm going to yeah, so couldn't even pronounce my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's there there's people like Luke Doucette and Melissa McClellan who okay. have now gotten married and are in a band called White Horse. Yeah. Um, let's see, Lenny Gallant out of PEI. Um, oh, interesting ones like Jacob Moon. Okay. Out of ha- ha- uh, Hamilton, um, and they've each sort of found their own path to success. That doesn't look like having to sell a million records mm-hmm. and play in arenas. Interesting. So I want to put the spotlight on them. I want to hear their stories. And I want to inspire other artists and people to not always think you have to win the lottery to win. Mm-hmm. Right? That you could actually carve your own path to success. Kind of like what I'm doing here as a filmmaker. Interesting. I haven't knocked one out of the park. Well, not yet. Not that you need to, yeah. though. And I maybe I wouldn't need to if I can find my own little niche and my own little path. Okay. Right. Well, there's not much time left, so I'll ask you, I'll finish with this. What are your thoughts on the Canadian independent movie scene then right now? Because we kind of, we, we talked about TIFF, which was maybe started as something not necessarily focused on Canadian content. I'm sure there was a heavy um, emphasis on it, but it's changed. It's no longer what it was. You make movies, you like movies. What do you think, what's the pulse, or what's the, the, the general condition of the patient that is Canadian independent cinema? If, and let's define independent. Um, so basically not, uh, not a commercially viable, it's the awkward thing, because in mm-hmm. the U.S. they'll call in independent films anything that isn't made by a major studio. Right. So it could have a... $20 million budget. It's mm-hmm. a Woody Allen movie, but it's independent. Yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't made by Paramount or Fox or Disney. Or well, whatever, does, right? does Fox Searchlight or Spotlight uh, count as independent still? Or They call it independent. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it's kind of cheating. So yeah. what I consider independent is like grassroots. These This is a small production company mm-hmm. that, you know, made it for under a million bucks uh, and, you know, put their heart and soul into it. And that's, in terms of that, the state of that, for Canada um, probably hasn't changed a whole lot. It's really tough. It's mm-hmm. tough for any Canadian film to get seen by other Canadians, let alone outside of Canada. Mm-hmm. Even the, the popular ones um, still have terrible um, turnouts at the at the cinemas, uh, unless you're in Quebec. Quebec's got a killer audience and they can, <laughs> they're amazing. I wish I, I've thought about, I wish I could find a, a way French to make movie. my movie in <laughs> Quebec, right? Um, so for the rest of us, it's, I mean, people say, well, it's easier than ever and cheaper than ever to make a movie, but the competition's higher than ever. Right. So having my last film, you know, was super independent micro budget. Sure, it's gotten some distribution throughout Canada or North America, but mm-hmm. we haven't made back our money yet. Mm-hmm. So when it, when it, if, if it's, if it needs, if the goal is to be somewhat commercially successful to at least recover your the money that you invested into it so you can do it again and mm-hmm. again, that's really tough. 
I think it's still super tough um, for Canadian filmmakers to get seen and to get any sort of a, and, it, and I don't want it to be about the money, but it has to be enough because it's an expensive hobby otherwise. It's an expensive it's a balance, art right? form, right? Yeah. It does require money, especially if you want to pay people fair money f yeah, yeah. for their day's labor. So um, it's still really tough. Um, I think, yeah, that's, that's the bottom line. Well, you mentioned uh, that there's more of it than ever, at least the, the, to make a movie, and everyone's basically got the capability of it in their pocket right now, more or less. Right. Which increases the signal to noise ratio of seeing a decent flick. Because how many times, at least personally, you've it's like, oh, there's this Canadian film, and you just look at it. And go, eh, I don't know. I'm pretty busy. It looks like a Canadian film. It looks, it looks like, like a Canadian CBC film. It's, well, I didn't want to bring out the CBC, oh, yeah, but. Uh, it, it just doesn't look good either, which sounds bad. It's like, oh, right. it could be a fantastic book, but the cover looks like crap, so I'm right. I'm out of here. But right. do you think that's a, a, just a case of you have to do better? You have to really, because there's so much out there that you really have to knock it out of the park as far as quality goes? Or do you think it's a, um, on audience, is it the audience's fault for not feeling like they should be trying this or being more adventurous with something that may not necessarily look like it's playing at the Cineplex on Friday? Both. Uh, I definitely think you, as a filmmaker, you need to kind of push the boundary for quality and originality. Mm -hmm. Um, but it still has to be, um, accessible mm -hmm. by an average moviegoer. It can't be so weird and, and obscure that people are just going to scratch their heads and go, what the heck was that? As a side note, I rewatched Crash, the Cronenberg one, oh, yeah, and yeah. the other day I was like, how did this get made? <laughs> how, much, how much tax dollars went oh, to this? <laughs> yeah, telefilm and, and all the those those wonderful tax benefits did all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> I'm just stuff. trying to imagine the tax man signing most, off on that film. <laughs> oh, well, most of Cronenberg career was like, they're, like yeah. if you think back to Rabbit and all that stuff. Like Caused that. Robert Fulford to like foam at the mouth <laughs> exactly, on, in like, Parliament. What did we spend our money on? Unbelievable. But then when it makes money at the box office, like, Never oh, mind. Okay. <laughs> we didn't lose money. Yeah, we we always promoted that yeah. film. Yeah, we're we were amazing. So um, quality, originality. So just how it looks, the quality of of having the technology is definitely not enough. Mm -hmm. um, it's still got to be a well told story, mm -hmm. and it's got to be hopefully a little original or an original take on a, on a familiar story. But yeah, audiences also need to stretch and be open-minded more. And it's tough when they've got so much pablum available to them, right? That's like, a good way to put it, yeah. Why, why do they have to stretch to something more It's not uh, a superhero movie, don't care. I, yeah, when I could watch 20 of those and yeah. know I'm going to be entertained and get what I want versus having to stretch and go, mm, I had to really work hard at that, but man, was it worth it because I got some incredible value out of thinking it through and chatting about it afterwards with right. people. What about just, it came to my mind just as we were talking about, what if there were specially priced tickets for these? It's almost like they're, they're less expensive. Now you could argue it devalues the, the art. If say it's not as much as uh, Avengers and it's, right. it's like, that's not fair, but to make it more accessible, somebody w doesn't feel as burned taking a risk mm. on a less expensive ticket. That's a great idea. I, I have to wrap my head around the, the economics of that, but if, especially if the film was made for less money, yeah. it, it it, there's, there could be a case for that. Um, it would have to, you know, somebody like the Galaxy or the Cineplex would have to commit to 
maybe one out of every of, of our cineplexes that have 10 screens one screen is going to be for an indie film at a discounted price that would be an amazing I idea. think they'd see some success with this I really do yeah especially because it wouldn't cost them as much either to to acquire the film yeah and wasn't the big thing about these and don't have too much time to get into this but they just want you to get in the theater to buy popcorn and stuff too right. so exactly. the ticket price is like almost just like maybe cover costs if they're lucky but just come in and buy stuff please yeah exactly so that's why they're doing all this event stuff right like the the opera and the concerts mm-hmm. and shakespeare plays and stuff like that is like what else can we do to get people in yeah, the, yeah. into the cinema lots of different stuff yeah well i'm going to say Thank you very much, Peter, for coming in the studio and uh, sharing your thoughts about TIFF and film and uh, what the future holds. And hopefully we can get you back in here, uh, maybe on a regular basis. That'd be fun just to sure. uh, break down uh, what you've seen lately and talk about some movies yeah. just uh, generally. But thanks for coming in. You're very welcome. Peter Zabo, everybody. Check out his upcoming film, When It's Made. Or you can check out Defective, which is uh, available on DVD and Blu-ray on Amazon or in Walmart or Cinema One here in Guelph. Check it out. There you go. Defective. And the rest of the movies that he endorsed, they're all going to be good. If you're disappointed, you can join Cameron Bailey and (laughs) take his lunch money later. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good night. Well, what that jaunty tune means is that we're at the end of another episode of Android's Dungeon. Thank you to Peter Zabo for coming to the studio. And thank you for anyone who listened. It means a lot. Send us a message on Twitter. Search us at 80 Radio CFRU. Uh, shoot us an email. Check us out on all the podcasts. Just, you know, just say hi. It's nice to be noticed. Anyway, thanks for listening. Stay tuned to CFRU 93.3 FM. Have a good day.